How are we doing today? Great to see your smiling faces. You enjoying this June weather? Romans chapter 12. Romans the 12th chapter. And uh, I'm in a series here called At Face Value. Uh, we've been just looking at the values of our church. So values are distinctives. And they're what sets you apart. Um, they're what makes you unique. And they're part of a church culture. You know, we're building a church culture. Every church has a culture. And, you know, we've been highlighting some of the things we value. We value truth. Uh, we value the love of God. Last week we talked about valuing generosity. And this morning what I want to highlight is one of the great values I see that exists in our church. And I want to just read the first verse of Romans chapter 12, and then we're going to pray. Romans 12, verse 1. Here's what the scripture says. Uh, I beseech you, brethren, Paul said, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you this morning for the spirit of the Lord in the house of the Lord today. And I pray, Lord, that uh, this would just get a hold of each and every one of us and that we would be totally committed and surrendered people to what you have for us to do. And I pray that we would live for the glory of God in surrender of our lives. May this word edify us and build us today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. You know, I, I think about a living sacrifice. I think about sacrifices made by people like my grandma and grandpa. They are members of the greatest generation, and I'm so grateful for the years and the time that I had with them. Uh, they, they come from a different era of time. Uh, when I was at uh, Yad Vashem, which is the Holocaust Museum in Israel, I came across the Frank Foley exhibit. Uh, so there's a man named Francis Foley, and this dude had just such an incredible story. Uh, you know, he was actually one of Britain's most successful spies. They stationed him in Berlin from 1922 to 1939, and he used his position as a passport officer in the British embassy to save 10,000 Jewish people from concentration camps. You know, immigration rules were strict in those days, and he went ahead and issued orders defying the foreign office. Uh, he sent uh, Jews to British Palestine for years and years and years. One lady recanted, she, she was telling about you know, what, what, what he did. She said, this man saved my life. And when they came and it, her mother begged for a visa, he, he, she said he stood up, he paced around back and forth, he didn't say anything, and then he stamped the papers and out they went. She said, you would never suspect that he was a spy because he had such a quiet demeanor. Uh, another man he saved uh, said that when they started issuing the, the visas for Jewish people, the Germans would go to the homes and, and arrest them before they could go. So he and his wife actually took to hiding Jewish people in their home the night before they could go so they could make it out to Israel. And he never did get caught. And if he had got caught, he himself would have been put in a concentration camp. And just before the war broke out and Britain recalled him back to England, he issued thousands and thousands of passports for Jews to get out. Uh, his uncle, his nephew became an Anglican minister and said that, I believe God put my uncle Francis Foley in Berlin to do his work. Uh, Foley did was a witness to Christians to show what they should have done. I was reading this story. I was thinking about the sacrifice he made. It made me tear up, man, to think about that effort and the dedication, the sacrifice that he made to make that happen. And I guess this morning what I want to highlight is what I call the science behind sacrifice. I want to talk about some sacrifices this morning. Now, I didn't do well in science. I was a geography B major. I do like to point out that Elder Grove... I was the school champion two years in a row. 
so science was not my favorite particular topic. I do know that like zoology is the study of animals. Or, and today I'm going to highlight some sacrophology. I guess that's the word I just made up. Uh, which would be like the efforts that are required of servants. Because uh, sacrifice is when you surrender something for the sake of someone else or something else. And this is a value of committed Christians. This isn't the value that people just have when they show up occasionally on Christmas and Easter. I'm talking about people who are really committed to the Lord are willing to go the extra mile and make sacrifices. Let me highlight some sacrifices. The first sacrifice, Romans 12, verse 1, we read the verse. He's telling them, he's like, I beg you, listen to me by the, by the mercy of God. And he, he tells them to present their body, your physical body. He said, present it before the Lord. Here he called it a living sacrifice, which he said is holy, acceptable to God. And the New King James calls it a reasonable service. I think probably the New International Version has a better accurate translation. It calls that a spiritual act of worship. That when you are a living sacrifice, what you're doing is you're offering yourself up in an act of worship. So the first thing I want to highlight is this living sacrifice of worship. Worship is the sacrifice that we make. And you made a sacrifice to be here this morning because you had to get yourself up and out of bed, get beautified, get the makeup on, get some coffee in your system so you can come to church presentable. Uh, and you can, you can worship the Lord here at this house with us together. It's a wonderful thing. You can worship the Lord alone in your home. You can be alone with Him. You can have worship with you wherever you want. The scriptures call it a sacrifice of praise. And what effective worship is, is something living on the inside of you. It's a living sacrifice. What, what I like to think about worship is it's love that is expressed from my heart. It's the love that I have for God that I'm expressing towards Him. I love Him. I tell Him about it. And I even sing His praise. And you know, people who hear me sing, they think I'm a horrible singer. But God doesn't care. He receives that worship. It's beautiful in His ears. He, he, he receives it because it comes from my heart. And I like to tell Him over and over, I love you. And the reason why I love God is because He first loved me. When I was at my worst and my weakest, that's when the Lord showed up and redeemed me and ransomed me. And so I love him. I lift up his name. I bless him. But worship really is an expression of my gratitude. I get to worship him for all that he's done in my life, the benefits that he has given me, what he's done for me. I mean, where would I be without the Lord? Where would a uh, knuckleheaded, arrogant personality of mine would have me divorced <laughs> by now? I think I would probably have a problem with drug addiction or alcohol. Uh, I'm pretty sure that had it not been for the Lord, I'd be quite an angry person. And who knows where I would find myself at? Where would you be if it had not been for the grace of the Lord in your life? I think about that and I think, God, you are worthy of my praise. I love you. Worship is an expression of my ex of excellence, that I'm going to do my very best for God because he did his very best for me. I mean, think of the sacrifice, the length that he went to. And when I think about that, I just want to say, man, he is worthy of all of my efforts. That's why the scripture says, in everything you do, do it as unto the Lord. Do it for his glory. So I just want to bless him with every opportunity that I have. You know, I like to read books. One of the greatest books that I've read was a book written in the 14th century by a monk named Brother Lawrence. And the book is called The Practice of the Presence of God. And Brother Lawrence, he was kind of upset because he wanted to have a better position in the monastery. And uh, what they did was they stuck him in the kitchen where he had to like peel potatoes all day. 
And he just felt that it was beneath him to do that. He really wasn't very excited about it. But he found that even while he was peeling potatoes and mopping floors, he could find the presence of the Lord in his life. And he could do the best job that he could. And what it did, it was like an offering that God received. You know, that book written seven, 800 years ago lives today because a man understood what worship really was. It, it, you can have the presence of God and worship him when you are cooking dinner, when you are folding laundry, when you are you know, w- working with your children and, and cleaning a home, or even when you're in the basement remodeling. Come on, somebody. You can find the presence of the Lord. My life is an offering, and he inhabits, think about that, he inhabits the praises of his people. When you just bless the Lord, when you love him, when you worship him, the Bible says he dwells in that praise, in that worship. That's when I become a living sacrifice. And when we gather together, the value that we have is we're going to bless the Lord. We're going to lift up his name. We're going to sing. We are going to worship him. We're going to give him our highest praise. Isn't that right? Yeah, Yeah, I like hearing that in the house of the Lord. I like it when people come together to worship him. I am a living sacrifice. Let me give you sacrifice number two. And I'm going to the book of Mark chapter 9. You know, I I like to teach in context and work through passages of Scripture, but today I'm just going to jump around the Bible to give you some verses. And I found some very intriguing words that Jesus made. Mark chapter 9, look at verse number 49. He said, For everyone will be seasoned with fire, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. He said, Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? So he said, have salt in yourself and have peace with one another. Here's the second sacrifice I want to highlight. It's the salted sacrifice of sanctification. See how that rolled right off my tongue. The salted sacrifice of sanctification. In Bible days, that's how they preserved the meat, uh, was with salt. It's a preservative that kept it. They didn't have uh, whirlpool refrigerators. They had meat they put in in the ground. You know, Jesus is alluding to the way that God refines believers. If you read the context right there, uh, he's talking about what God does to, to keep y- you and I in a refined process. That process is called sanctification. That's the theological term that we've come up with, which means that God is always at work and ever at work cleansing you, purifying you. Uh, he's, it's the way in which he removes sin from your life. He starts dealing with you. He likes to chop off Little branches that are not fruitful. That's what Jesus said in John 15. The Song of Solomon, he wrote about catching the little foxes that are destroying the vine. And what I've discovered about God is he has many different ways to confront sin issues in your life. He's got no problem confronting it, highlighting it, addressing it with you. And he knows exactly how to shape and mold you. That's like one guy said, God will fix a fix to fix you. And if the fix he fixed to fix you didn't fix you, he will fix another fix to fix you. And I've lived long enough to experience that's true. That's called God's hand in your life of sanctification. Now, the thing about sanctification is that it is a process. I like how the scripture says that you and I are being saved. We, we are in this process when you get saved where God is continuously at work in your heart. And, and what he's doing is he's refining you and I as believers prior to the final judgment. That's kind of the context that Jesus is talking about in this passage of Scripture. Uh, what it tells us is that God has the ability to make you more godly over time. He can cleanse you and purify you as you grow and age. As you walk with God, it's like the more of him that you discover. That's the beauty of a relationship. You, you, he's everything you need today. Tomorrow, he's more. 
And I think about what the Apostle Paul, the man that wrote three-fifths of the New Testament, he started off by saying that he had wronged no man. When he was a young man in his you know, 40s and 50s writing the Bible, and by the time he was ready to die in 2 Timothy, he said he was the chief of all sinners. Somehow along that journey, he got close enough to the Lord to see that God really was so holy and so amazing. And it made him just kind of accept the fact that the Lord was you know, able to do incredible things in his life. I think about my grandma D. Grandma was not perfect, but grandma was perceptive. And you know, I, I, I get to live with people in their 90s that have walked with God for all these years. And grandma would tell me about difficult people put in her life, and she'd say, no, no, God put them in my life because he needed to perfect my love, which I thought was a very perceptive thing. It doesn't matter if you're 18 or 85, what I've found out about God, he is working in you to rub off some rough edges and, and straighten things out, and it's the process of sanctification. And, and as I read the scripture here, Jesus said everyone will be seasoned. And what that tells me is that sanctification is universal. And the thing I've discovered about life is it's filled with all kinds of situations that are designed to work something in you. And everybody gets to go through that. Everyone gets those situations. I think some of the ways that God works universally is through relationships with other people. Isn't that funny how people have the propensity to really kind of challenge things? And if you really want to stretch that to the limit, just go get married. Isn't that right? Yeah, speaking of that, man, we had a great time in our marriage class. Pastor David was leading that. And he made the statement, man, that uh, marriage is intended not to make you happy, but to make you holy. It's designed to work something in you. It's part of God's plan. And I tell you what, I loved it. It was challenging. I think one of the reasons I liked it so much is because Pastor David is very passionate about the subject. I mean, he gets talking about marriage and family. He gets very excited about it. So it's still not too late for you to join us if you want, man. we got child care. We were having a great time going through that. You know what else will challenge you is your finances. Because uh, you better learn how to budget. <laughs> what I have discovered about money, it has a unique way of challenging you, showing you what's really in your heart. It can aggravate you. It can stress you out. And, and that's one of the ways in which you're going to get tested. You know, your, your body, your physical body, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And in America today, like you, you're going to go through times when this body of yours is going to be tested. That means that you better learn how to take care of it. Uh, like, you better learn how to exercise, uh, have some self-control, maybe do some fasting. When's the last time you had a fast? I mean, that, that, that flesh of yours likes to rear up, but there's, everyone is going to be universally tested by certain situations in life. Yeah. And it says, Jesus said, it, everyone will be seasoned with fire. There's some trials you go through. And those trials are unpleasant. Isn't that the case? And, and then, you know, when you're in the middle of a difficult situation and you feel like it's unpleasant, that salt that Jesus is talking about, being put on the wounds, has a sting to it. You know what I've found out about some of the greatest believers that I know? Some of those godly men and women that I've been with are people who've been through some very difficult things. They go through moments that are not easy, they're not fun, they go through pain, but in the end, they come through it. And I've just seen how the Lord is able to take something so difficult and make it so beautiful in their life. That's this process of sanctification. Everyone goes through it, and if you surrender to it, it works in your behalf. Here it says, Jesus said this, have salt in yourself, which tells me that sanctification is also an internal work. And the place where it's revealed and reflected the most is in your character. That's why he said, have salt in yourself. Be a man or a woman of your word. Be a person of integrity. That's what he's talking about. Have you ever uh, 
If you have peace, if you have salt in yourself, you will have peace with other people. Because when you've got integrity, when you've got character, when you let the Lord refine your personality and your character and chop off some branches, you don't have the need to defend yourself as much. You might even be a humble enough person to be a good friend who really cares about other people, not so enamored and caught up with yourself. That's part of the sanctification process where God is at work in you to purify and cleanse. And, and so when I like to think about the value we have here, we're a church that values holiness. I appreciate it when I see God working in someone's life. And, and the, it might not be easy. It might be difficult. There might be some pains through it. But I like to watch how spiritual people handle difficult moments. It's called sanctification. And I like how they grow. I like seeing how God works in them. I really appreciate it when people are sincere and honest and they walk with God and, and he works good things out in the end. Let me give you a third sacrifice. And I'm going here, over here to the book of 1 Peter chapter 2. Now, Peter, if anyone knew anything about sanctification, it is the, the apostle Peter. I mean, he had been through some difficult situations. <laughs> he had some very painful encounters with the Lord. And if you know his story, it's an amazing thing to see how he was in a difficult place, and yet God did something beautiful with him. Now, 1 Peter chapter 2, look at verse number 4. This is what he said. He said, you should come to the Lord as a living stone. Paul called it a living sacrifice. Here he calls us living stones. Rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious. How many believe that your, your faith is a precious thing? Amen. He said, you also, as living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house that he called a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices which are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, when I was thinking about you know, this, this sacrifice of building, you know, spiritual sacrifices are the foundation for your Christian life. And I think about sacrifices that real believers have made. Uh, you know, I think about this church, man. Like Daniel and David, they have been with us through the very beginning. And I, I think about the sacrifice of, you know, we had church in the cafeteria all those years ago. And Daniel and David were there for like seven or eight years setting that place up and tearing it down week after week. That was a sacrifice. That was an effort that was made. But a house got built that way. And we are being built up together. You know, Ephesians chapter 2 says that we're being built into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. That's a mysterious verse. What God is doing is He's building you up. He is a master craftsman, and you and I are His handiwork. He is at work creating and building something within you. What he's doing is building up your spirit man. That, that's the internal reality of who you are. Your spirit man is the place where you fellowship with God. It's the place you have communion with God. It's the place that you hear his voice and know his will. So, you know, when I have prayer and Bible study, it's like, it's like exercising for me. Uh, it's like having a meal. And I can tell days when I've done it and days when I've missed it. If I spend time with the Lord in those personal moments and quiet times, my spirit man gets edified. It gets built up. And I can just sense God's working in my life. What he's doing is he's building your wisdom. You know, the, this is where you can increase in the knowledge of God every day on a daily basis. He, he's increasing wisdom. That's how you make good decisions. That, that's how you exercise wise judgment and have discernment. It's the way that you start working with people. The more wisdom you have, 
the easier it is to make relationships work. It's easy for you to be wise. It's easy for you to realize that I shouldn't say that to somebody because I've got some wisdom. I'm just preaching to myself. I just, it's a great thing to have wisdom. Wisdom on the inside of you will help you uh, relate with God. He gives you ideas. And I'll tell you what he's really building uh, is your family, is the relationships around you. You know, Pastor David said in that class, you know, romance happens, but relationships are built. I've been thinking about that. I mean, you've got to build relationships. And they're built by perseverance. They're built by confrontation and challenges. You know, I, like some of the best relationships I have today came from difficult encounters with people. And, you know, you might have a little pushback. You might have a little challenge. But if you can get through that, if you can build that relationship, I'm telling you, it works wonders in your life. There's something about that. Relationships are built year after year after year of going through things with people. When, when you stick with it, and you go through things, and it's the same thing in your relationship with God. Man, think about all the things he brought you through. Think about the difficulties, the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows, when you didn't think you were going to make it, when you felt frustrated, when you questioned if you were in the will of God, if you heard his voice, only to find out that he's faithful in the end. Man, there's something about walking with God where your relationship gets built up. And that's what he's doing. When you make a sacrifice like that, God starts building something in your life. And that's what we get to do is build the house of the Lord. Like Noah built the ark, like Solomon built the temple. You and I are building something for the kingdom of the Lord. We're building a house that hosts the presence of God. And he inhabits that place. And he uses the sacrifices that people make in order to make it a house for his glory. So when you make that sacrifice, man, it's an amazing thing. And think about that in your own home. If you will make the effort to have a house that honors the Lord and hosts his presence where he's put first and he's honored and you make those sacrifices, you wait and see what it does in the life of your family and your children, man. Let me give you number four, my last sacrifice here. And this is in the book of Philippians chapter four. And I'm bringing it home here. This is the Apostle Paul, Philippians 4.18. He said, I have all and abound. I am full. Someone say full. Having received from Epaphroditus the thing sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, one he said that is well-pleasing to God. I want to highlight what I call here the drink offering of ministry. The drink offering. You know, in the Bible... There's different types of sacrifices that were made. You've got the grain offering, uh, the burnt offering. We talk about the sin offering, the trespass offering. There's the peace offering. And along with that was what was called the drink offering. And it was like wine mixed with spices, and the priests would pour it out when that burnt offering took place. And that's why it's called a sweet-smelling aroma. It, it, it's like a meal or like a feast that would rise up. You know, in Philippians chapter 2, just a few chapters earlier, Paul described his own ministry as being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and the service of your faith. And Paul said, I'm glad to do it. I'm glad to offer up my life. Uh, and one day he'd ultimately pour out his blood as a martyr and a drink offering. You know, the, the word ministry, you talk about that word ministry, uh, what it means is service. And you and I, are in the service of the Lord. And it pleases God when we pour our lives out before Him. Like when you serve someone, when you go out of your way to minister to them, bless them, encourage them, find a need, meet that need, you're, you're like 
pouring a little bit of yourself out before, to the Lord and enhancing someone else. He mentions this man Epaphroditus here. He was sent by Paul, or he was sent by the church there to visit Paul in prison. Yeah, I remember one time I had an uncle in California who had a man steal from him a large amount of money. And yet we went down to the Riverside County Jail and he went and met with that man in prison to try to encourage him. That was a sacrifice. I think about Pastor David working with the kids' ministry back there. I think about the efforts that the worship team makes to be here with smiles on, give their very best. I think about people working in the media booth in the back right there. Because these are efforts that people make just to show up and be a greeter and smile and give it your best. That is effort that has to be made. And you know what it does? It blesses other people. You get to pour yourself out. It pleases God to do that. But it also pleases God to fill yourself back up. That's what Paul said right here. I am full. You know, when, when you pour yourself out, it's very important that you fill yourself back up. Because what happens to people is if they are always pouring out and pouring out and pouring out, but never do fill back up, that's how they get burnt out. That's how they get worn out. And if you're going to be an effective minister and you are going to pour yourself out for people, you've got to make sure that you get recharged, that you get filled up. That's why I am a huge believer in daily devotions. I love to get alone with the Lord. I love to be in places where I can just sit at his feet and learn and read my Bible. And in moments like that where I'm alone with God, I get recharged in that place. And I've come across too many people who get wore out because they don't pace themselves properly. Their priorities are out of order. They're not really spending time with God. They're too busy doing too many things for too many people. And the story, it's like you know Martha and Mary in the Bible. I mean, Martha was busy serving, but Mary was the one who sat at his feet and knew the secrets. And if you're going to be someone who wants to be used in a way to bless other people, you've got to make sure that you yourself get filled back up. What it pleases the Lord is when you use the gifts and the talents that God has given you. And he has given you gifts and talents. He has given you unique abilities. They belong to you. Only you possess them. And when you use that ability that God has given you and you alone, that becomes a real sweet spot for your life. Maybe it's a prophetic gift. Maybe you're an encourager. Maybe it has to do with just being a servant. Maybe you're someone who loves to give like we talked about last week. You find a sweet spot. This is the place where ministry becomes enjoyable. You know, uh, I'm having one of the greatest times in the remodel of my home. I am putting up storage. I love storage. love to be organized. I got racks upon racks I'm putting up in my garage so I can put all Elizabeth's Christmas stuff up there. There's a lot of... There's a lot of Christmas stuff, a lot, a lot of Christmas stuff. <laughs> One of the first things I did. Yeah. So I, that, that ability to organize, sometimes it comes out in a teaching gift. I, I just have the ability to put things together uh, and outlines so that if people understand it and can remember it. That's just the way God does it with me. I mean, like I said, if, if my teaching is kind of similar to my house. Come over and you can see it's all organized and put together. But my favorite part of the ministry isn't that. My favorite part is the people. I like to get out in the foyer and love on people. I love hugs. I love to see people. I love to talk to you all. I like seeing your smiling faces. That is my favorite part of church. And when you beat it out of here and not say hi to me, it drives me nuts. But on the other hand, the ministry is a sacrifice. It's not like the easiest thing 
And I think that's because the hardest part of ministry is the best part of ministry, which is the people. <laughs> so it, it can be highs and lows, ups and downs, difficulties. And in one moment you think, man, it's so beautiful to see what God has done in your life. And the next moment you think, how could you do that? And that's the ministry. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to go to Africa this summer. Uh, Bishop Louis has been asking me to go for a long, long time. And so he's planted 1,500 churches, and he's asked me to be the speaker for... Uh, the pastoral training session. I've been doing some pastor training in different places. I'm pretty excited to go there. But these are challenging trips, man. You're tired. You're on jet lag. And then, as I said before, the people, it's beautiful to be with different people, but when you have a language barrier, and it's a different culture, and the food is only chicken and rice every day for like seven straight days. <laughs> it's not the easiest thing. It becomes a sacrifice. It's effort. It, it, it's like, you know, you, you come back exhausted, you pour it out. And the thing is, when you pour yourself out, you reap the rewards. I think it's so interesting that Philippians 4.18 is followed by Philippians 4.19. That my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. Because when you pour yourself out, that's the place where God meets the needs that you have. When you become a blessing for somebody else, you watch as God meets your needs in your life. When you give to be a blessing, the Lord shows up. When you pour out just a cup of cold water, Jesus said on someone's behalf, you will by no means lose your rewards. He's talking about eternal rewards. You reap rewards in this life and the life to come. And it amazes me how many people are involved in this church serving. Man, I got a lot of people doing a lot of things. I know people who are watching online right now on Facebook. I see y'all out there. And they're like involved in every department. <laughs> and, and that's pouring yourself out. And I just love seeing it. It reminds me of like my grandparents' generation. You know, they, uh, they gave themselves as an offering to the Lord. I mean, they, they served him in all kinds of ways and capacities and started churches and did missions and traveled. And, and I just think about that, that culture that's set up, man. What a great culture to be part of a place where the intentionality of making sacrifices is real. So I've just given you a little lesson in sacrophology. All right, that's I think what we call it. Sacrifice, sacrificial things. Uh, if, you, if you are a worshiper, you'll make sacrifices. How do you know when you're a worshiper? You, I, I, here's how I know when worship is real in my heart. It's real when I don't feel like doing it. That's called the sacrifice of praise. And I, I hate to tell you this, but it does happen as a pastor. Sometimes, you know, you're not super excited to be at church. You maybe go through some difficulties and frustrations. Uh, you might want to be watching the football game. You feel like you want to be alone. But when I come in the house of the Lord and I lift up his name and I bless him and I give that sacrifice of praise because he's worthy of it, I'm a worshiper. Or if I feel his presence, if you feel the presence of the Lord and it's moving in the house of God, it can melt the hardest heart. And I don't want to be a hard heart that just stands up. I want to be a heart that when I sense his presence, I'm moved. And when, when, when I'm moved, I start feeling this, this, you know, my emotions get triggered. I, I might get teary-eyed. I might want to laugh with joy. I might feel motivated to bless and encourage people. And that, that's a sacrifice that I made. So people who make sacrifices are worshipers. Are you a worshiper? Or maybe it has to do with... Um, the way that God deals with you, his corrective 
nature. I, I, I could ask you if God's been dealing with you. I bet you have a lot of hands up. You know why? Because if you walk, I see one hand way out in the back back there. If you walk with the Lord long enough, he will find a way to draw you closer to him. He will start highlighting attitudes, sin issues. He's perfecting you. And if you want to get close to him, that's what it requires because he's holy. So he just starts taking, and you know what? Walking with him, it becomes a sacrifice. My life becomes a sacrifice. I, I, I just start lo- saying, Lord, I'm going to surrender to you in this process with the fire and with the salt and with all the things you're working in me because I want to be a vessel for honor. So is he working something in you? Ask that question, search your heart, and I want to challenge you to surrender to it when he does. You want to be the person who, when he turns you, you go with him. Whenever he works that way. Maybe he's building something in you. What do you think the Lord is building in you? What do you think the Lord is building through you? Maybe it's a family. Maybe it's part of the church. Maybe it's a business that can glorify the Lord. Maybe as a boss, you get to encourage and bless other people, and he's, he's building something up in you so you can build something up in someone else. But you want to let him build that thing in your life. And then it's what you're pouring out. Does anyone feel like you've poured yourself out before? And you know what it's like to be expended. And, and you know what it's like, hopefully, to refill yourself back up. But I want to challenge you. There's no greater place to live life than to pour yourself out for the Lord. There's no greater purpose. Listen, Jesus is coming, man. And uh, only this life matters. This is the only shot you've got. My wife and I encourage each other all the time. We've got one life to live. And you may as well spend that life honoring the Lord, glorifying Him, serving Him, being uh, a person who's faithful to the things of God. I want to live my life poured out. Anyone else feel that way? Mm. So I'm, I'm just going to pray that over you. I'm going to pray. Ooh, that the Lord would just use us in greater ways. Ooh, Father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you're increasing our capacity to pour ourselves out. <laughs> I just came to you right there. I feel like there's vessels in this house, and what the Lord is going to do is increase. You're going from like a five-gallon bucket to a 10-gallon bucket. I feel like the Lord is increasing you. And as you spend time with God, and the closer you get to Him, and the more you walk with Him, and the more He challenges you and works in you, ooh, I feel like He's taking us to a place that's higher. We can give more of our lives, more attention to Him, more focus upon Him, more love, more of our gifts being poured out, more of them being used for your glory, Lord. We want to surrender to that. I thank you, Lord, for increasing us in the mighty name of Jesus. I, I, I can't help but feel like just increased. Like, like, like that capacity is increasing and increasing and increasing and increasing. In the name of Jesus. Yeah, I think about the greatest sacrifice that was made, which of course, as you know what it was, it was Jesus on the cross for you and me. There's no greater sacrifice. It, it, that's the very definition of the word. Think about that. God the Father surrendered his son for the sake of saving you and I. You imagine the pain involved in that process and yet God did it for you and the only thing he asks for in exchange for that is your life and if you really get a hold of it you say Lord I will willingly give you my life as a living offering man I want to glorify you with my life so 
I want to just give you the chance this morning. Maybe you've been backslidden. Maybe, maybe you haven't been walking with the Lord. Maybe you're holding on to your own will and your own rights and, and, and haven't fully surrendered to the Lord, haven't fully put your faith in Jesus. Because it's easy to put your faith in other things, but to put your faith in Jesus is the most important thing. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Someone say, I need to get right with the Lord. I want to surrender to him this morning. Put your hand up. I'll pray with you. How about this? Let's take, I feel, I feel prompted. Let's take this a little bit deeper. That's just a little salvation thing for someone maybe who's right with the Lord. I feel like we should ask ourselves the question, can I surrender myself more to the Lord? I, how many of you would say that with me this morning? I feel like I could get closer to the Lord myself. Now, now I talked about, I felt the Lord encourage me about increasing our capacity. But you know, that's when you increase your surrender. So can we do that this morning? Could you just put your hand up? Just do it with me right here. And just say, Lord, I want to be a drink offering. I want to fully surrender my life to you. I don't want anything to be in the way. And I ask you to just correct things that hold me back. Remove them from my life. Reveal them to me. Help me grow closer to you. Help me walk with you. I want to know you in, 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 the, in the deepest way. I pray that in Jesus' name. Man, we just prayed a very dangerous prayer. If you're serious about praying something like that, you, you will get in your car, drive home, and he'll start correcting you. He'll start challenging you on stuff you listen to the radio, and what you're watching on your television set, and the way that you handle and conduct yourself at restaurants and in front of your kids. And if you would just learn to listen to that voice and be a sacrifice, man, you wait and see what God does with you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand up this morning. I just can't help but feel the seriousness in the house of the Lord, man. There's a serious nature to it. I'm so proud of you, man. I feel like we've got a church full of people who want to make greater, greater uh, dividends in the kingdom of God, greater investments. Amen? Amen. If you want prayer, the altars are open. I would encourage you to come out Thursday night if you want to grow in your marriage. We had a wonderful time going to that class. It's not for the faint of heart. We love you all very much. We'll catch you all next Sunday. Enjoy this spring weather before we hit, get hit with the snow tonight. Love you all very much.